Hey there, and welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where I chat with interesting people doing amazing things who inspire me and hopefully you guys to get out of our comfort zones. They tell us about the challenges they've faced, the uncomfortable things that they've had to go through and overcome, and the strategies that they've used to do it. Today, I'm chatting with Lucy Revel, the creative genius behind The Residence. The Residence showcases the best of Welly, people, places, and products. Lucy is a born and bred Wellingtonian with a massive love for this city and a beautiful platform. Lucy this year was a winner of Absolutely Positively Wellingtonian Award. She's the finalist in the New Zealand Social Media Awards. Uh, she's just hosted a Wellington on a Plate event. And now, to cap it all off, she's realized a dream of hers and is a podcast guest on the Uncomfortable Is OK podcast. Today, we chat about quite a few topics, including learning how computers and technology could unleash her creative side, how she went about setting up the residence, why she did it, and what choosing to commit to it actually meant. How a lot of things in her life had been uncomfortable, but she'd been ignoring them for quite some time. Figuring out how to be comfortable with herself, being around crazy creative people, and how that opened up her perspective on the world. The power of being consistent and disciplined within her creativity, and the improvements she saw with that. The importance of storytelling today. Finding your own voice and telling stories authentically. Creating your own category. Being confident in your own style so you don't need to copy others. Uh, we talk about the movie Cool Runnings. Well, actually, I tell Lucy about that. Um, I don't think she's seen it, although she may have since our chat. I, I talked it up a bit. Uh, and of course, the topic of getting uncomfortable. It's another awesome chat that I have today, so make sure to share it out with your mates uh, and just get Lucy's uh, Lucy's knowledge and insight out there. Um, I learned a whole lot off her and hopefully you guys will too. Uh, before we kick things off, I just want to say thank you to Rich for supporting the show on Patreon. Uh, much appreciated, mate. Thank you so much. Um, if you guys want to support the show as well, you can go over to www.patreon.com. Uh, slash uncomfortable is okay um, and you can get uh, all the little patreon goodies that I send out to to the people that support the show there but thank you as always for getting uncomfortable with Lucy and I today Welcome to the Uncomfortable Is OK podcast. Thanks for popping around on a nice-ish Saturday morning in Wellington. 
Thank you so much, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Cool, cool. And um, thank you so much for making me feel good when you said you've always wanted to be on a podcast. I have. So it was <laughs> it was great to uh, to be your first. I'm sure there'll be a, a whole lot a whole lot more. Thanks so much. It's a good, um, yeah, no, I've been really into podcasts in particular for the last year and, um, just seeing, I guess, how that they can provide really specialist information for people who are super passionate about particular subject area makes me feel like maybe I'm starting to become an expert on something. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Lucy, for the listeners that don't know you, mm-hmm. um, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself, kind of where you're from, where you grew up, uh, I, I can probably guess, um, and maybe are there any kind of big formative experiences that you had growing up that have kind of pushed you along this track, do you think? Sure. So um, I was born in Karori, the most suburbia of suburbs in Wellington, um, possibly only topped by Nio. But um, <clears throat> I, my parents are English and Australian, and they moved to New Zealand in the late 80s. Um, I just grew up in a really lovely, warm, stable household, mum and dad. Mum was full-time while we were growing up. And then when I uh, was at school, I really was passionate about writing and art, painting, and also quite interested in technology, although I probably didn't know that I was interested in technology uh, at a sort of teenage level. Yeah. What kind of technology are we talking? So um, I was very, from a young age, I was very interested in creating things using what tools were available to me. And so when we got our first computer in 1995, the program I loved the most was, for those of who can remember it, Microsoft Fine Artist and Microsoft Creative Writer, which was, you know, much more interesting and interactive than, say, Notepad. Mm. So I remember spending hours on Microsoft uh, Creative Artist and Microsoft Fine Writer, writing my own stories, making pictures, And I think that was probably the first time I learned about how technology and computers could be used to realize my ideas and my creativity. So that was my first engagement. Um, The next real memory I have is falling in love with uh, probably Neopets, which came as a spinoff of my Pokemon um, love of Pokemon, which I think most people did who grew up in the sort of 90s, 2000s. They had a Pokemon phase. And Neopets was a bit different, but it was an online website where you could play games and you could earn points and you customized your creatures that you grew and there were forums and chat rooms and really enjoyed it, found it very interesting. And then that led on to joining MySpace when I was 16 years old. And that was a community for people who loved music. I found that I connected with lots of people in Wellington who didn't go to my same school, which was a private all girls school and was a bit conservative. Um, and I was, I was probably conservative too, but I wanted to be edgy. So, um, I thought that that was amazing and awesome. And, um, you could customize your background of your MySpace page and put in little music clips. And it was there and through my Neopets that I learned about a little bit of basic HTML and kind of really learned about, again, how I could express myself through platforms online. Mm. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, so you've kind of been training yourself to be edgy since, uh, <laughs> from, from a young age. We were, um, uh, Julia and I actually, we went out for tea last night and we went to the laundry. Yeah. Um, up on Cuba Street and had their, had their Wellington on a plate, um, dine menu, which was absolutely delicious. Um, they are not sponsors of this show. Uh, but I was in there and I was, I was standing there. I was talking to Julia. And I was like, we're like the least funky people in this whole place, aren't we? And yeah. She's like, yeah. <laughs> That's, um, that's so funny you say that. I'm going to laundry for dinner tomorrow night. Oh, it's delicious. It's delicious. Enjoy. I will. The last couple of weeks, I've been having conversations with people about like training a whole lot of different skills or characteristics that you, that you want to develop. Um, and going, going through that kind of through a phase of being curious about them to start mm. with. And it sounds like as well as the funkiness, also, uh, the expressing yourself and kind of putting it out there online to people is something that uh, you were you were quite curious about to start with, um, and then kind of worked on to develop. How was? How did you find that initially? Was that kind of challenging when you went from kind of creating your own stories and pictures to starting to do a little bit more kind of creative personalized stuff on online so <clears throat> i think the biggest thing so jumping forward went to university um did a law degree came out worked for a while found that that didn't quite fit my mojo and um i was a lawyer and um you know was kind of wondering what to do i think that the big question the thing that really tipped me over the edge to take that love of creating things, which I hadn't really done for a long time. So by the time I was 25, I think I just recently turned 25, I, um, you know, had been kind of just getting on with life working. I realized that this was it. Like I felt like for some reason turning that age made me really acknowledge that time was slipping through my fingers and suddenly I wasn't just going to be permanently in my 20s. So that sounds a bit depressing, but it gave me a real push over the edge to commit to starting my blog, The Residence, which in actual fact was a relaunch. It wasn't really a starting because I had created it a few years before in my final year of uni, um, just Googled uh, blogs, how to start a blog. And it came up with blogger. So I'd started the platform on blogger and I wanted to create a blog that was like this creative who I really respected called Todd Selby. And he has a book called the Selby is in your place and another one called the fashionable Selby and the edible Selby. And what I loved about what he did was it was about going into people's world and inhabiting their world through pictures and getting them to write a little bit about themselves. And I felt like something like that would be amazing for Wellington because of its eccentric personalities, its creatives and its uh, engaged citizens, its community, which was very open and warm. So that was the thing that made me decide I was going to completely commit to writing a blog and I would still call it the residence which I'd called it back then um all that happened was I just didn't really update my blog I fell off the bandwagon as so many wannabe bloggers do um 
but choosing to commit to it and making a decision meant that I also had to be comfortable in who I was to put myself out there online because of course everyone has a different position, but I was quite conservative about what I revealed to my, uh, of, of myself online up to that point. Like I would not just put up any photos. I only wanted to put up a few and my privacy settings on Facebook were relatively strong. So, um, I wouldn't say I was a person who had been putting themselves out there online a lot up to that point, but I decided this was the best way for me to fulfill my creativity and no one was doing it in Wellington. And to me, that was a business opportunity more than anything else, just to try and find that market and corner it before anybody else did. Mm. Very cool. I want to I want to jump back a little bit. We, we obviously, we'll come back to talking about the residence uh, in its current iteration. But the, the first time that you started it up, why did you why did you decide to begin it in your final year of university and then why did you stop so my life changed in my final year you know year of university um it was the first uncomfortable well it wasn't it wasn't the first uncomfortable thing everything up till then had been uncomfortable but i'd been ignoring it and what happened was when I was 18, I moved to my Auckland for my first year of university. And while doing that, halfway through the year, I had a break in Wellington, met an ex-boyfriend, um, obviously then was current, and decided, you know, I wanted to go out with this person or they wanted to go out with me. And we'd, I'd moved down to Wellington eventually at the end of the year. Moved back to Wellington, which is why I ended up studying in Wellington. I'd have studied, continued to study in Auckland had I not met him. So um, that was one good thing about the relationship, I suppose. Um, but it turned into an emotionally abusive relationship, which I didn't know at the gain at the time. You can kind of only connect the dots looking back. And so because of that, um, things just, you know, started fine, but then over the years deteriorated and then they get a little bit better for a bit and then they deteriorate again. And I went out with that person through my second year, first year of uni through to my fourth end of my start of my final year of uni. Um, so when we broke up, I had to leave the little flat we were in together. We both moved out and I moved in with two DJs, um, in Mount Victoria and I was no longer working in the law firm I'd been working in as an intern. I took up a job working at Hummingbird Bar on Courtney Place. And um, suddenly, you know, I was like single and more knowledgeable. And so my life became a very different life to the sort of quiet life I'd lived through most of uni. And I think that going through that made me – and being around – creative, crazy, wonderful people like I was at that time, many of whom I'm still in touch with to this day, made me really consider the potential things my world could be open to. And instead of being with somebody who is constantly trying to close down things or shut me down, I was with people who were like excited by life, trying things and not taking life quite as seriously. So, um, I made that decision one day just to start the blog and um, spent a few hours on it, came up with the name The Residence because I liked the sound of it. I Googled Wellington and Wikipedia came up and the first line was Wellington is a town, you know, of city of 
400,000 residents or whatever number it was. And um, it sounded snappy, kind of like the Selby. So um, that's why I chose it. And um, I continued with it on and off, but I didn't have the education, I think, from following bloggers or YouTubers myself to understand the level of commitment and discipline that it takes to making a blog successful. So this is also very early stages of Instagram. Instagram really didn't exist. Like it maybe it did, but it was still super early on at this stage. There wasn't the influencer marketplace that there is today. Um, there was some YouTube, but again, these YouTubers weren't household names. It was an evol- it was it was an evolving industry still back in twenty twelve. So I didn't have a roadmap I could really turn to to understand where to go. Uh, I think does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. It does. And thank you so much for, for sharing that. That uh, gives me a lot of, a lot of insight to it. And it obviously can't, can't have been an overly easy time for you at that point as well. Um, but it sounds like it's all been for the, for the best in the, in the long run. And sometimes with these, uh, with these experiences that we, that we go through that are, are difficult at the time, they, give us a really massive learning opportunity mm. from them as well and kind of almost create a, a just a, a whole kind of framework or perspective shift that we get um, with with that. And I think for, for you, it sounds like that was kind of where the, obviously where the residence was born uh, yeah. as well, which is, which is really, really cool. I, I describe it as, you know, that time moving from kind of my old life into the new life even though there were things that were you know sad and unhappy and relationships that didn't work out or were never going to work out it was like going from from being in black and white to living in color suddenly and I feel as though getting inspired by the world again was what made me want to embrace sharing this online magazine or this online blog that I could imagine and trying to realize it. Um, but it wasn't really actually until life had settled down a lot more that I found the discipline within myself to see that through and to do it to the best standard that I knew I was really capable of, which is what I've hopefully achieved now. Mm, mm. Lucy with, um, so you stopped for a, for a few years, um, and kind of went out into the workplace and, uh, were exploring, exploring those opportunities and, uh, yeah, test, testing yourself that way. What were the, what was the kind of driver for you to, to bring out the, the residents again and kind of set it, set it back up and set it going? So through the time that I was working as a lawyer, I was working in banking and financial services at a large corporate law firm. Um, I dabbled in lots of different things. I felt like while at university, there was so much going on and you always felt the need to study. I didn't get involved in clubs or do anything extracurricular, but I'd always done lots of extracurriculars at school, like choir and um, hockey um, more choir. And, um, so the, I got involved, I'd been watching, uh, a lot of, I started watching a lot of Ted talks in that last year of university 
where I was trying to understand and put a worldview on things, kind of learning to, oh, this is so cheesy. You cut this out, but trying to learn how to love myself. And I'm like, leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's so cheesy, but it's true. It was like a process of learning to actually appreciate myself and love myself and, and trying to kind of find a way to be comfortable with being by myself that would help me kind of know that value and that worth that I really had. And I I feel like you've interviewed Irene Wakefield on the show before. Yeah. She covers – I've not looked hugely into her stuff, but I feel like her mission statement is something that resonated with me because of that um, previous experience in life. But um, – so I've been watching a lot of TED Talks. Got really into watching this amazing um, entrepreneurial – uh, presenter called mariefolio.com. Um, she's fantastic. I love all her stuff. It's very inspiring and encouraging. So I was consuming a lot of content and getting really revved up and getting really inspired. And then what was the question again? <laughs> why, did the, uh, why did the residents get kicked back off again? Oh, yeah. So then, then I kind of like had been dabbling in. So then I was like, the next step was like, well, I want to be involved in a TED Talk. And so I saw an opportunity come up. Um, to be involved in the Victoria University TED Talk, um, you know, uh, uh, organization, a uh, committee. And I just tried and failed to do my own project single handedly, which, um, is a slight side tangent story. But, um, basically, in short, I won a prize to put on an event at, um, Shed Six. And thought I had the support of a experienced Wellington music producer to help me pull it off. And then he totally ghosted. Um, and then I learned a very important lesson in life, which is that to get people to do stuff, you need to pay them. And I didn't have any money to do that. So in the end, I had to give back the prize, which was very humiliating, but was my first business failure, like quotes around it, you know, that really made me realize some important lessons, which first of was I needed to go and educate myself put a team of people around me um, to build skills. So I got involved in the TED community in Wellington and I did that outside of work for a few years. And then I also found slam poetry, which I did for a while too. Uh, that was a really cool group of people in Wellington. Uh, found out about that through Inspiral Network. And um, not long after that, uh, I found out, yeah, I, I was, I was still sort of, engaged in slam poetry and this was back in 2015 I'd been doing it and was lucky enough that my friends were nice to me and didn't tease me too much about it <laughs> um when I got I got an email actually out of the blue from a small cider company and they'd found my old blog through trawling obviously through lots of pages of google and asked if I would review their cider so that for me was amazing that they'd found the blog and that they wanted me to review their product that I knew that they'd have put a lot of care and energy into. And this is just a tiny, tiny company called Steel Press Cider. And um, that was what sparked the feeling in me with that, you know, I've turned 25 thing that this was the time to do it. This was the time to commit. My boyfriend had just gone back to university. So I had some extra time on my hands because he was working evenings and I had upon this idea of, Doing a, you need a framework to start any blog, to start any podcast, you need a framework. And the framework I thought of was to ask people about what was their typical day in Wellington. And I started doing that initially, and then it turned into the fact that people were just more 
interesting. It was just more interesting to talk to people generally and, and remove that contrived structure from there. But find out about the people who were the Wellingtonians. And I did that for a few weeks and I realized I was putting up one a week. And then I was like, what if I put up one a week for a whole year? So then that became my goal was the grand audacious goal was to put up a blog post every week with the resident of Wellington for a whole year. And then I was like, well, I have to find a way to fit these cider reviews in. So (laughs) I'm going to do other blog posts as well about lifestyle in Wellington and like the things to do and the things that interest me as a Wellingtonian and merge this idea of an interview blog with the more personal blogs that I was enjoying and following that were self-styled by people who were YouTubers or um, bloggers. Uh, And that's kind of where this sort of weird mashup of the residents came. Fantastic. I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff that you've, that you've talked about there kind of in regards to, in regards to, uh, concepts with it. Um, and I think one of the, one of the ones that I want to touch on probably first is the, is that consistency. And you mentioned discipline a couple of times through there as well. Um, that to, to put something out every week or, or multiple times a week, and to set yourself to do that for a year is is quite a massive shift from going from not not doing something mm-hmm. like that to to really kind of kicking kicking that off how did you how did you prepare for that like how did you get ready for that and did you appreciate the level of commitment that it would need I th- I did appreciate the level of commitment that it would need. Um, what I guess you don't appreciate when you start is you do start slow, but you get faster as you go along. So now I can I used to have to stop and start my recordings of people who I'd interviewed, so I could transcribe them. And now I can listen to a recording almost all the way through without needing to stop it and transcribe the whole story as I go and edit it. And then I'll go through and read it through a few times just to make sure it's right. Um, At the beginning, I picked random days of the week to publish. They weren't consistent. And then, you know, I was always researching and looking up tips for how to improve a blog or how to create an audience. And one of them was, you know, you need to give people a day of the week that is consistent. It doesn't matter how – how frequently you post, you just need to be consistent. So whether that's once a week, three times a week, you just need so that people know when to come back and to read. And so I was kind of changing between two or three posts a week, depending on the week. And I decided to commit to, it was originally, I think Tuesdays and Thursdays um, and maybe sometimes Fridays. And then I ended up changing that to, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and then it became Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and sometimes Saturdays, which um, I get to. I post probably two to three weekends every month. So I I, um, I kind of just started to mentally prepare for that by uh, setting aside time in my life to do the interviews know that I had to write it up on Sunday or if someone needed to review it, I needed to um, write up an interview on a Monday to send to them so it could be published on a Wednesday. So they had a 24 hour time period to review. And 
what I started to see was improvement in the audience level. So I had a, I had a sort of growing consistent audience for the first four or five months with a little dip in May, which has never been explained. Um, and then suddenly in October 2016, I had a huge jump because I published a blog post about um, three dating ideas in Wellington under 2050 and $100. And clearly the people of Wellington need dating advice. <laughs> and suddenly it jumped up and I had my first biggest month, which was I think it was 12,000 hits and my goal had been for my year one I was like I'd love to get to 10,000 visits um not not page views but like unique visitors per month on google analytics and that was amazing it was such an amazing thing to you know you just sometimes don't know where that next turn in the road is that's gonna offer you an opportunity or something that will really resonate with people I could never have I was starting to get into this idea of looking at what people were interested from the data and then trying to talk to people who wanted to work with me or wanted me to come to a show and be like, how can we make this, how can we make this jive with what people are wanting and hit that zeitgeist? Understanding that was quite a important shift in my thinking. So definitely lots of discipline, setting aside time, prioritizing the work. You just got to do the work. I mean, at the end of the day, I was, I always think about Alice Bryan, who was my number one first resident interview ever, the best person, because she's gone on and done so many awesome things, and she's now in London, but her thing was, like, you know, find what you love, and then just know you've got to work really, 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 really hard at it, um, and I wasn't expecting any reward for a really long time, and so I kind of adopted that approach, and I think as long as you're prepared, prepared to like work really hard at what you love. And for me, that was writing and building this audience around the residents and making it a thing. Um, I think it will come. It just takes time. Mm. When you, when you started, did you know that you loved it already? I've always loved writing. Yeah. Um, photography's taken me more time to get into because even, um, I was watching a 60, a documentary about Mark Zuckerberg the other day, like last night or the night before. And they were talking about how Facebook changed from written text, which was what so much of social networks were in the sort of 2000s, early, mid 2000s, early 2000s to being photo sharing. And that's been a huge shift that's happened is that, of course, you know, um, a picture says a thousand words. So I've had to improve my photography skills and I'm primarily self-taught. I've never had a sit down lesson with anybody about um, how to take a good photo. I studied art history at university. So that helps with understanding how to compose a frame or, um, you know, ratio proportions of, you know, good, a good image. Um, so that really sort of pushed me out of my comfort zone. But over the, 18 months or so that I've been doing this nearly two years now. I've yeah, I've definitely improved, but I always loved writing and I believe that writing is still very important in this social media age and people are bored of clickbait. Of course they'll still click it, but you know, <laughs> if you really want long lasting meaningful engagement with your potential audience member or customer, if you want to, tell them about why they should pick somebody, then you need to make sure that you um, tell a story. 
So telling a story through writing is still really important in my opinion. Yeah. Um, has the, has the love grown for the residents as you've, as you've done more with it? I feel like I've always really loved it. Um, there's been times where it's been stressful, but what's so nice now is, um, I feel like there's now a community of people who love it as much as I do. Mm -hmm. And that sounds, I still feel a bit silly saying that because I don't really know, but there's some people who are always there on Facebook every Monday or Wednesday, ready to hit the like button when I put up a new post and people who leave comments consistently. And I've met some of them and it's amazing because they're just so passionate and it's incredible that they like this thing that I made and I keep making. And I met up with this girl who self-describes herself as my number one fan <laughs> and um, she won a giveaway this week. And she was like, I can't wait to see what's happening next on your journey. And it's so weird to hear someone say that. Like, it wasn't like weird in a creepy way. It was like weird because that's how I feel about the people who I really respect who I watch on YouTube, um, you know, or read their blogs. Like, I want to know what's happening next in their journey. But it's also my life. So it's so weird. Like, I'm struggling day to day sometimes to, like, wash my hair and – it's lovely that somebody's like got my back and they're batting for me and they want me to succeed. And, you know, um, there was some trolling that happened. It's very unusual for me to get trolls, but I got a troll who oddly, you know, wasn't an anonymous troll. It was someone from Wellington who I know, um, leaving some comments on an Instagram post recently and a whole pile of people jumped in to defend me who I didn't know most of them. Um, like not hundreds, but like, you know, maybe five people. And I was like, that's amazing. So I think that's been a really sh big shift this year is that suddenly there's other people who feel more confident in sticking their hand up and saying, um, we like the residents, we're coming, you know, we really enjoy what you do. And I think it's harder in year one because you, those people aren't necessarily as confident in doing that. Um, or maybe they don't exist yet. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. Not cool that you had a troll, um, but cool that other people kind of stuck up for you with that as well. And um, in the amount of yeah engagement that you're getting with people and kind of the the resonance that you get with the residents, maybe, <laughs> maybe you should use that as I like a so. title for a post. <laughs> if you haven't used, sell it, yet. it in my media pack. Like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. residents has resonance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could don't slur that together too much. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, <laughs> when you're when you're writing and when you're when you're kind of reviewing things, how how do you balance um, writing for yourself with writing for your readership? I think my opinion is that. It's a great line from Marie Folio. If you if you're not talking to somebody, then you're talking to to nobody. Um, maybe or maybe it's if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. And I think the most important thing is to write to make myself happy because if I don't have that, then I've got nothing. Um, if I'm trying to write 
in a way that doesn't feel natural to me or that is to uh, sell something that I don't believe in or, you know, promote something I don't really want to promote. Um, and I've been placed in that position once. It really makes you feel sad because it's a little bit like um, you're giving away a little piece of your soul, which sounds very dramatic. But, um, you know, there's definitely things – I try and find a mix of things that I write for myself um, – and then things that I know that other people also are really interested in. So, for example, uh, people really love reading anything to do with food. So, um, it's great to mix in little food guides or little restaurant reviews up with other content. But then also I'm really interested in bits and pieces to do with beauty. Or I really like writing sometimes just rambly posts about my life or things that I've learned or with you know, 20 something burnout, things I'm interested in. And I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes no one reads those ones, but other times they can take off and they do do well because people really respect when you're trying to be honest. I think if you lose that authenticity of your own voice, people really notice it and then they get turned off. And it's very easy to do if you end up working in a way that um, prevents you from feeling passionate or talking honestly about what you really care about Mm. on the other hand you have to balance it with that zeitgeist of what is you know I think that's been the biggest change in my blogging practice is these days I look through what's coming up in the year of events and what are people going to want to know about what are people interested in it's affected the order I'll put someone up on the blog so for example, this month we have Wellington on a plate and the film festival and New Zealand Fashion Week is happening too. So somebody who I interviewed a few weeks back, unfortunately, has been bumped down the list for a few weeks' time. Probably they'll be early September just because it makes more sense to put in the person who has a Wellington on a plate event before Wellington on a plate. Whereas if I left them until after Wellington on a plate, that would, you know, not really make much sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, and it, I, I like the the stuff you're talking about there as well. I find that, um, and one of the things that I think about when I'm talking with people and having conversations with them is that I want to ask questions that I'm interested in as well. I think it gives me, like, it makes hopefully makes me sound more authentic, um, and I think I've got better at that over over time as I've I've done more of the podcast, um, as opposed to trying to just kind of really have a guess at the questions that that other people want to know as well and I think as as you said you're never quite sure exactly what stuff that you put out there is going to really be enjoyed by people um but as I think as long as I'm enjoying it um there's at least one person that that likes it as well and I think that's that's a really cool starting point and then kind of going going from there the more um you kind of keep true to your own voice, the more people tend to, to like the stuff that you're talking about because it doesn't appear quite as quite as forced. Yeah, I think it's funny. I'm this is maybe not as well this is a bit of an interesting example, but a few months back I took some photos that were incredibly pretty, very classic blogger style, like nice hair outside of a brick wall with a ch- bunch of tulips and a pastel pink coat and they were gorgeous photos, but then after a couple of weeks, I realized that 
um, I'd changed like my profile picture to them and things that they could be of anybody anywhere. And they suddenly, because they were gorgeous photos that were taken in a classical blogger style or a classic Instagrammer style, they actually stopped being the residents because they were still me, but it could have been anybody. And I realized that what makes me different is my unique position as being a Wellingtonian and that there's a way we talk, there's a style we do things in, and there's an aesthetic we have that is unique to this little part of the world. And I think unless you stay true to that authentic voice, you're never going to be the best at what you do. You're never going to be the expert on what you know. Um, there are already so many beauty bloggers, you know, who review Kylie Jenner lip palettes or, you know, lots of people who are taking food Instagram accounts, which are just sort of a straight flat picture over the table with an anonymized profile that where is the unique personality and individuality unless you can show that you, you know, you can be supplanted or you'll fall to the bottom of the heap. I think it's interesting even with um, recently having been nominated for the New Zealand Social Media Awards, there's people who have much stronger followers than me, some of whom have hundreds of thousands of followers of me, who've ended up not being in this awards finals, but that's because they fall under categories where the competition is so much more fierce. And because I've kind of created my own category, which is this sort of weird hybrid of lifestyle and inspiring stories, I ended up in the social good category and I actually have a shot at winning. <laughs> I probably won't, but you know, I think it's, had I done things differently, I think when I found out I won the award, I went to my parents' house, told them, rushed off to the next thing. And as I was heading down the stairs to go and have um, the stairs of their flat to go and have a quick wash, bath, shower, uh, I think I, I yelled at them in a very protesty way. I was like, you know, this is, this is all because I actually stuck to what I meant to do and what I was passionate about doing. And if I had gone along with what I felt like was popular and everyone else wanted me to do, I would never have ended up in this position. And, and this is so exciting. And mum and dad were like, yes, 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 come hurry up. Just, we hear you. We hear, we hear what you're saying, which is classically how our conversations go in our families. Everyone's shouting over each other. But yeah, I think unless you have what, unless you can be confident in your own style, you really risk falling into the sea of other people who do what you do, but they do it better. Mm, yeah. I, th I think that's a, a great lesson to take for, for life in general as well is that you need to kind of figure, figure out yourself and what, what you're interested in and then kind of go and enjoy doing it really. So you mm. can become, you can become the best at it because it, I've just had a flashback to the movie Cool Runnings. Have you seen it? Oh, I haven't, but that's the book. Oh, about, yeah. I know what it's about, though. It's we, about the Jamaican it's when, bobsledders. It's when, it's when Sanka says to um, to Doris, I, I used to be able to probably quote every word <laughs> from it, um, is when they went to the Olympics and they, were, they tried to copy the Swiss team style because the Swiss team were the best bobsledders. And Sanka says to Doris, he's like, we can't be going and copying no one else's style. We've got our own kind of style. We're, yeah. we're Jamaican. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's that kind of, it's that kind of thing. 100%. I don't know why I flashed back to that. I haven't seen it for ages, but I might have to, have to do a rewatch of it. And it's like, it's like though, what we were talking about at the start with, um, you know, wanting to be edgy in my space. 
I've realized that my whole thing is mum vibe slash man- lady of the manor country estate. That's just my thing. And, um, you know, I spent so long trying to be cool and be, it's like they talk about in the book, um, girl on the, not girl on the train. It's the other one where he gets gone girl. She talks about being the cool girl and the cool girl drinking beer and always staying skinny and hanging out with the guys. I'm like, that idea has been propagated for so long. I tried to kind of live up to that ideal and like, that's just not me. I love a bath and scented candles and I like to put on my nice pearl earrings and comfy olive colored trench coat and, you know, walk the fluffy dog. It's just, it's just my thing. And I feel like the residence has really, really made me have to feel comfortable with that. Like a hundred percent because you, it's too much effort to try and be someone else or to copy somebody else's vibe. I couldn't be a kind of, you know, this like Kardashian spinoff style of being hot or trendy. It just, it doesn't vibe with me and people would know I was faking it hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So is it kind of, has it almost been a, a bit of a therapeutic tool for you to find out more about yourself? Um, I think I think that what it has been is it's allowed me to it's allowed me to be my truest self because I have always internally identified as being a creative person and the hard thing for me was starting work after having done a law degree and seeing other people come into a room, look at me up and down and think of me as being the person who would have the answers and be the compliance person. And that stressed me out so much. It made me literally want to tear my hair out. I, um, and actually sometimes do tear my hair out because I have, I have this thing where I pull my hair out sometimes, which I've had for a long time, but like it's called trichotillomania. It's actually a thing, but I don't have it bad but like anyway um i i just think the idea of of being someone who i wasn't and what i love is that you know i yeah i have a day job and there is certainly elements of creativity in my day job working in policy but at lunchtime i go and i talk to amazing people and i take photos and i create things and construct and it fits into my whole life so i'm finally being able to be myself that's how i feel um, and maybe that's therapy, but I just see it as finally getting around to do that thing I was always meant to do, um, which hopefully one day will lead to all the other great things I'd love to have in store for the future. Mm, very cool. Are you comfortable about talking about where you want to take the residence? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I think there's a lot of exciting things coming up in the next couple of months, um, personally and on the blog. Uh, I'm... I've I've just done my first – I had my first guest post last month, which was really exciting because I had never let anybody touch it. But I asked somebody who I really respect called Sasha Borosenko, who's from Auckland, to write a blog post about why she liked Wellington more than Auckland. Uh, and I'm hoping to get a couple of other guest writers in who I'm probably going to be contacting directly as opposed to open for submissions. Um just to sort of expand the voice a little bit more because I think there's other people I admire who I'd like to um, contract to, to have their say in the context of the residents to bring more attention to the 
work that they do and the creativity of Wellingtonians. Um, I think, you know, I take it one, one week, one month, or one day at a time. And, and the beauty of doing this is that my inbox is a treasure trove. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get through from one day to the next. One day it could be spam and the next day it could be an offer to write for an international magazine. And that's, I love the uncertainty of it. So I just plan on staying consistent and staying true to the voice of what I have found. I think I've become truer in my my mantra, you know, I've, I've got four principles that guide the blog now, and that's artisan, world-class products, collaborative communities, honest stories, and not taking yourself too seriously. Um, so I intend to stay true to all of those. Hopefully more brand collaborations coming up in the future because when I do sponsor posts, that allows me to help pay for the content that I create, and that's very important. So anyone out there who's interested let me know um but you know you do have to actually try and make it viable um I hope next year brings even more interesting interviews um I'd love to one day maybe write a book and I am excited about getting to go to experience more of Wellington and maybe even do a little bit more travel very cool Lucy, I mean, there's there's a whole raft of topics that we could kind of talk around around the sub uh, the subject and kind of around the around yourself. I think uh, we've kind of covered off a really a cool lot today. Um, I'd love to have you back on for another chat at some point to kind of jump down into some other other rabbit holes. But I've got a few questions that I want to ask you that I tend to ask everyone towards the towards the end of the chat. The first is, can you tell me about a time that you failed and what you learned from it? So for me, the biggest one has to be, um, has to be the, uh, big, well, the shed sex competition, which I won and then I had to give back, um, which I mentioned earlier on. For me, that was the biggest thing because it was everything I dreamed. It was, I, even then, I don't know why, I'd always had this idea of like wanting to do something to elevate Wellington. And here I had an opportunity, but because something happened, I couldn't control it. There was no point in blaming the other person who ghosted, um, except just wishing them, you know, douchebaggery. And then my wishes came true because it rained on their festival. Um, <laughs> And so the gods heard my prayers yeah. um, and and just feeling really embarrassed that I was like meant to be this amazing young lawyer who had this great idea and was going to pull it out of the bag. And there were people on the panel who were high up in Wellington City Council who know my face now and they knew who I was and, and they thought like, you know, my mum had been really proud and been like telling people about it. Um, and to have to realise that I was so stressed over it and not sure how to proceed – that I was just, you know, getting myself into a bit of an unhealthy state. I needed to take a step back and look at the possibility of not doing it as a serious option. And I always remember we had a family friend who, um, for a variety of reasons, uh, was an architect and built a property, which then didn't sell and they lost everything. Um, and she said to me at the time, I remember she said to my mum, that she 
really admired my decision to stop and to not proceed to a point where I couldn't go back and to give it back because I think that in reflection, that's maybe something that that person would have liked to have done, but they continued for their own pride and for the reasons, you know, that they needed to feel, felt a need to please other people. And I think that it's really important to understand that pleasing everybody, the idea of trying to please everybody is a surefire way to making yourself unhappy. So you need to feel comfortable with the idea of even failing, you know, to try and do what feels right and go with, you know, do what your instincts are telling you, but it may take a while to arrive at that point. Mm, I like that. I really like that one. Um, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? Um, the last uncomfortable thing I did was, oh, that's that's a difficult question. Um, I will say that the most, the diff- most difficult thing I did was yesterday and the, the most uncomfortable dif- thing I did was yesterday recently and that was falling into the trap of comparing myself against other people and what I do and that felt uncomfortable because I can see the metrics that come up on Instagram, I know what opportunities people, you know, might have heard about what opportunity someone's been offered and, and maybe I haven't been offered that opportunity I think it's an ongoing thing to try and keep reframing what you what you do and seeing trying not to get too bogged down by the world of online comparisons and I think it's just a really big challenge it's a daily thing you just have some days that are better than others but it's important to cut yourself slack and to surround yourself by positive people who will understand when you say that you're feeling a bit depressed because you lost 10 Instagram followers that day and they don't, you know, raise their eyebrows and look at you like you're um, completely insane and they actually care. They, you know, they want to give you a hug and they're like, oh, you're so silly, you know, like, you know, there is a positive way of dealing with that kind of thing. And I think the thing is, of course, you know, it's not real to somebody who's like, well, it's just, of course, it's just an app. But it can feel very real in the same way that um, if a trader loses money on the stock market, that money may not be real. They may have never had that money, but it does impact them and they may go home in a foul mood to their family that day. So I think being able to communicate and to be loving, but also to try and switch off and go and do something else and engage in real life is very important. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Again, fantastic answer to that question. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Um, <laughs> what's the next uncomfortable thing I'm going to do? I'm going to be going to New Zealand Fashion Week at the start of uh, the week of the 27th of August and that will be uncomfortable for me because I just booked the tickets on a whim having been accepted as press and... I don't know what to expect. I'm staying with a friend. I'm going to be away from Wellington for a week, which sounds lame, but I've become, I think I've become more of a homebody since I started the residence. (laughs) I now feel a little bit stressed about like leaving. So, um, obviously it's different to going on like a wonderful holiday with your boyfriend, which, you know, you've been looking forward to. And that's making me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but 
I started to move through that and see it as like a really great opportunity to get to know some of the great PR people who I have had email interactions with in Auckland, catch up with some amazing Auckland bloggers who I really admire, and um, maybe even catch a fashion show. Very nice. Lucy, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this already, but do you have any other strategies that you use when you're approaching uncomfortable situations to kind of help yourself build up to them or, or get through them? I used to have this thing, which I don't use as much anymore, and I used to call it Think It Out. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would just literally imagine the scenario in my head that was the worst case scenario and how I'd approach it, which is probably a little bit like, I think David Beckham talked about visualization once, um, you know, that kind of idea of visualizing the worst case scenario that could possibly occur mm-hmm. and how you'd approach it and handle it and whether it would really be the same, because I think um, fear is always in the unknown. So if you can kind of imagine that situation through to the end and how you would feel, it removes the power of the feeling within yourself and you often diffuse that tension that you are holding. I think that really works. I also mm. you, I also practice yoga because I find that that helps me um, clear the slate of the things constantly traveling around in my mind. Um, so I definitely think a session of yoga or even just whatever it is that gets you moving really helps to re-put everything into perspective. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I find that as well as that you can, I think you can kind of bring things back and use kind of physical, physical movement or kind of focus on the, on the breath to just, I liken it. Sometimes my mind feels like I've just tossed a Barocca into a glass of water and it's just fizzing around everywhere mm. going, going all over the place that, that yoga or getting out and going for a run just actually slows everything down and just brings it, brings it back so you can, yeah, it, it puts things in perspective, as you as you say. Um, Lucy, I've got two more questions for you. But before I ask them, I just want to say thank you again for coming around and sharing some time with me today. It's been really cool to, to meet you and kind of get to know a little bit more about you. Thank you so much as well for your honesty and your openness and answering questions. It's been absolutely fantastic. And thank you also for being a, an example of following what interests you and doing what you love and actually uh, starting to see some cool, really awesome stuff happen from it. It's it's really wicked. Now, first question for you is easy. If people want to find out more about you, if they want to kind of go and, and learn about all the amazing things that Wellington has to offer, how can they do that? Where can they go? They can go to www.theresidence.co.nz and that's the residence spelt with a T, not a C-E. Uh, they can also visit me on Instagram, which is theresidence.nz with an at symbol at the start. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash theresidence.nz and I'm also on Twitter as residence under, uh, wait, no, yeah, residence underscore welly. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. I'll put some links into the notes for the show with all of those as well. Now, Lucy, before we before we wrap things up, do you have any challenges to leave me and the listeners with? I would challenge listeners to start before they are ready, which means 
don't underestimate the power of a side hustle. Don't think that it has to end in a full-time job or money or anything in the future that you sort of maybe conventionally think is successful. Measure your success by the how how it makes you feel more like you and whether what you're doing helps you to achieve that feeling of wholeness within your own sense of identity. That's, I think, the main thing. To start that thing before you're ready to get to the end goal of feeling more like yourself. Lucy Rebel, thank you for getting uncomfortable with me today. Thank you. (laughs) There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Lucy and I today. Um, I really like her challenge. Uh, Start before you're ready. And yeah, just want to ask, what have you guys been waiting on to start? And can you you make a start for it now? Uh, When you do, let us know. Send, uh, send Lucy a message, send me a message. Um, we'd love to hear what it is that you're starting with. So as always, before we head off, I just want to say a couple of thank yous. Thank you for everyone that has uh, supported the show by downloading it. If you want to if you want to show some support, then share it out with your mates. Uh, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you get uh, the new episodes every time they come out. Uh, leave, a, leave a rating and a review as well. It helps get the show out to more people. Um, if you want to help support the show financially, you can pop over to Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash uncomfortable is okay. Um, I write up my notes for the show and I, I put them out there for all the, the Patreon supporters um, so that they get, get what I think about the show as well um, and looking into a couple of other things as well to, to give to that community. I want to say thank you as well for my amazing brother Jeremy Desmond for the slightly uncomfortable, amazing theme music. And as always, thanks to you guys for getting uncomfortable with Lucy and I today. I'll see you all again next week. <laughs>